From MIT Technology Review, I'm Laurel Ruma, and this is Business Lab, the show that helps business leaders make sense of new technologies coming out of the lab and into the marketplace. Our topic today is digital transformation and cloud adoption. Companies across all industries are faced with the urgent need to transform the way they do business, including financial services. But challenges abound with governance, security, and culture change. Two words for you, digital shift. My guest is Michael Rutledge, Chief Information Officer and Head of Technology Services at Citizens Financial Group. Prior to this role, he was Group CIO at American Express. Michael is a technology leader with more than 20 years of experience in infrastructure and engineering roles within the financial services industry. This episode of Business Lab is produced in partnership with Infosys Cobalt. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Great to be here. So you recently joined Citizens Financial Group in 2019. What digital transformation lessons from your former employer were you able to bring to Citizens? And how did you prioritize the bank's technology strategy from there? You know, American Express has has been on this technology transformation now for about 10 years. So uh, when I came to Citizens, you know, a lot of the same things that we'd really adopted at American Express, I was able to bring to Citizens and really start that journey. And it was really across five core pillars. So one was moving to Agile. Secondly, was moving to a more modern architecture. Third was really doubling down on the engineering talent we had at the bank. Uh, And fourth was being more efficient, transforming the technology cost structure. And finally, really a maniacal focus on security and availability. And as I look at those five pillars, these were all things we'd done at American Express. You know, we'd moved to an agile operating model. One of the lessons learned, I would say, that, that I had was we really pulled the business into that. So one of the lessons learned when I, when I started Citizens was really we have to bring the business along at the same pace with this journey. And the transformation is as much a business transformation as it is a technology transformation. And we've really done that right from the start. That kind of gets to the point of having tech and business at the same table, making decisions together, because one always affects the other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's more important in an agile operating environment where you have the, the teams ideating closely together, working closely together, trying to deliver capabilities at speed and iterating. That joint partnership is so critical. There must have been a bit of a culture shock, though, to the business as well, because again, a maniacal emphasis on security. Not that there wasn't probably one before, but you are now really putting a stake in the ground saying, this is our position from here on out. So did you find a number of organizational culture changes that, you know, maybe it was just awareness and education? And, and how did that affect how you, you proceeded? Early on, we had to get some, some quick wins. So there was a lot of, uh, frankly, skepticism, with, with the partnership with technologies, it hadn't been that successful. Uh, releases were taking, on average, two to three years to get to market, uh, just very expensive. 
uh, we'd, we'd outsourced a lot of our core engineering muscle was in vendors. We didn't have it within the, the core team. So, you know, it was a big change to really get that support from the business and really win that back over time. And so we had to get some early wins with them. We had to show them that we could deliver uh, very, very fast. And we did that. You know, we, we implemented some, you know, we brought in new technology. We moved to a uh, more of a, sort of, you know, build versus buy mentality when it comes to our engineering. So we were building components, we were automating, we were delivering much faster. And, and the business appreciated that. But, but to your point, it was a culture change for them too. You know, no longer were they reliant on, you know, 100-page documents with all of their requirements, you know, that they could uh, massage over time. Now they had to iterate and they had to be, you know, really think through the capabilities and act in a very agile manner. And, and that was a learning curve. You know, the, the, we, we call them experience owners in the industry. They're really, I think, known as product owners. But essentially, you know, that was a new role. And people had to learn that. We had to hire those people and we have to show them what success looked like for that role. And this is absolutely every t- business is a technology business. I mean, you're putting that to the test. Yeah. Because you can't have two to three year product cycles. That's impossible. Right. Yeah. Your competition would just eat you alive. So no, absolutely. If you, if you look at what fintechs are able to, if you think of our competition, it's not, it's not really traditional banks anymore. It's really these fintech organizations or these large techs, the Googles, the Apples, the Amazons, and, and really they're delivering at speeds that we have to compete with. So it was an imperative that we move to an agile operating environment, that we brought in new tools that would allow us to do automation uh, and really deliver code much faster than we had done previously. So the last two years, we've all lived through this global pandemic. How did your teams respond to that? Because here you are, a new person, a new force, and then you're building an entire tech team. And you're also building them with a very specific perspective. Build first, maybe buy later, maybe not at all. But those teams themselves have to have resilience and they have to be able to uh, troubleshoot and really understand problems as they come up. The pandemic was interesting because it crystallized everybody on a key set of outcomes. So we, we had to get 15,000 people working from home in, in, you know, in the first few weeks of the pandemic. So that really crystallized action. You have to, you know, we, we set up war rooms. We were deploying, you know, imaging laptops and deploying laptops in a very rapid uh, pace all around the country. You know, the, the government rolled out their payment protection program. Within a week, we had capabilities up and running, leveraging some of our API infrastructure uh, to be able to provide loans to our customers. And that really wouldn't have been possible in the old environment. In the old environment, we would have gone out to a vendor, bought a package, brought it in, tested it, and implemented it, and, and done it that way. The way that we would, we're now developing code, we already have the platform already there. So we're rebuilding on top of that platform. And that's what's allowing us to be so, get so quick to market. And that platform, as well as modern architecture, has to include cloud. 
right? So that is another shift to, to bring cloud services into the fore. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, in, in some ways we were, we were slow to the cloud journey. So we, we only started that about 18 months ago, two years ago. But the advantage of that was, uh, you know, the, the industry has moved on from building private clouds in their own data centers to building public clouds with partners like Amazon and Microsoft. And so we were able to leapfrog that whole, let's develop our own cloud in our own data center and move straight to the public cloud, which is where the industry is going. You know, if you look at people like Capital One, uh, they're 100% in the cloud now, in the public cloud now. So I think that that gave us an advantage in that we were able to build all that infrastructure. And, and frankly, it's it's evolved over the last five, seven years, way beyond where it was before. The, the, the level of security that's provided is, is, is much enhanced. And uh, we have this concept, we call it above the line and below the line. And uh, below the line is the security that the provider will provide. So it's their data center, they're protecting the physical location, they're making sure there's network redundancy, they're making sure that the hardware is there's redundancy, et cetera, et cetera. But it's still our role to make sure that above the line, we have the appropriate firewalls and layers of security in place that protect customer data leaving the bank. And so it's a partnership, but we, we need very clear roles and responsibilities between the vendor and ourselves. When we discussed that above the line and below the line, the potential security and privacy concerns are, are enormous, obviously, for financial services institution, as they are for any modern uh, business. With this cloud architecture, how else did you address these concerns um, internally as well? Um, to your, and, and what was the messaging like to your customers? Yeah, so certainly, you know, we've always prided ourselves in really putting customers first. And so we, you know, we, we let our customers know that we, their data is protected. And, um, you know, we have a variety of different layers of security. We use a variety of different monitoring tools to make sure that the data, uh, you know, we, we monitor who has access to that data where it is accessed. If data is sent externally, we monitor that to see the type of, uh, of, of data it is and what's you know, leaving our premises. Um, so there's a myriad of, uh, of controls there. Uh, we partner with a number of vendors to uh, prevent cyber attacks. Uh, we have very sophisticated uh, network uh, technology in place that if we do get a, a denial of service attack, as an example, that we're able to cope with that by diverting that traffic uh, to the uh, provider. How do you address that talent gap, though, that so many businesses are facing with digital transformation and the shift to cloud platforms and adopting that modern architecture as well as security? There's only so many folks out there. You mentioned aut uh, autonomous operations. Is that part of the deal? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Look, there's uh, there's there's definitely a war on talent, and I would say this year more than any other, we're certainly feeling it. And uh, I think during the pandemic and post pandemic, the the need for digital transformation skills, the need for data skills, uh, skills in security, has really increased phenomenally, and so. 
you know, we've had to definitely think about how do we retain our colleagues? What practices do we put in place to retain our colleagues? And, and we've really doubled down on, on education. So because we've been transforming the bank in terms of the technology landscape, we've brought in a tremendous amount of new technology. And, you know, our engineers really are enjoying uh, learning that new technology. And, and in fact, you know, for, just as an example, we had 263 uh, engineers who just signed up for our AWS certification program. And they've gone through that AWS certification program. We've, we've taken 150 of our colleagues through what we, we, we created a academy program that was a nine-week full-time hands-on program where they develop code, release code. We you know, drank our own champagne, I like to say, because we leveraged our own automated pipeline, DevSecOps environment, our own uh, testing environments to really uh, give them those skills. And, uh, you know, it's really been a huge success. We've, uh, we've developed over 40 different badging programs and once again, people, uh, 400 individuals have gone through those programs where they're now certified in cloud, in full-stack engineering, in data, in, uh, in, in cryptography. Yeah, that's no small uh, feat, especially in the two years since you've been here. So uh, DevSecOps is development, security, and operations, which is part of that modern architecture to get businesses to where they need to be in agile response. And that's where a lot of the autonomous features are coming in. So you must be also kind of looking out for AI and machine learning and where those opportunities lay as well. Yes, no, absolutely. So, you know, where as we're developing these platforms, we're looking at where can we automate. So, you know, we're trying to make it frictionless for our customers. So when, when they're able to, you know, if, if, the, if it takes them a long time to open an account because of the amount of information they have to enter, then that's not a good thing for our customers. So we really looked hard at how we can automate that. Is the data that we can populate rather than asking for it that, that, that can be pre-filled? Is there notifications and uh, terms and conditions that we can automatically route to them as opposed to them having to you know, send in a document with a signature, et cetera, et cetera? So, yes, we've done a lot of that. We've used... Um, a lot of uh, robotics technology, so RPAs, that allow us to really help automate some of the back-end processes in our operations groups as well. So they, they can avoid uh, a lot of the manual work that they do today. Um, we're using chatbots in our call center to facilitate some of that, to reduce the call volume and be more efficient. Yeah, and these are just a handful probably of the new products that Citizens has been able to launch because of the move to the cloud. Um, internally, are you also seeing abilities to find uh, efficiencies within the company itself, not just for customers? No, absolutely. So when you, when you, we're automating a lot of manual processes. So when you think about we, we've developed a new lending uh, service that allows our customers to uh, apply, for, apply for loans. And it was a very manual process before that required a lot of different handoffs, uh, a lot of different spreadsheets, frankly. And now we've been able to automate a lot of that process. And with a few clicks, 
you know, people are able to uh, apply for a student loan, uh, as an example, and not have, you know, not have both the our customers don't have to go through all the all the information they have to put in the system, but also the our operations groups also significantly reduce the time that they have to do things manually. You mentioned earlier that uh, because of the pandemic, Citizens was able to actually speed along certain benefits for customers like the um, payment program from the federal government. What other new products has Citizens been able to launch because of the move to the cloud? One of the solutions that we used for our our, uh, PPP loans was Salesforce. And it's a a SaaS-based solution that is in the cloud. And we've been able to use that for really to really enhance our lead generation. So if you think about our mortgage business, our uh, home equity loans businesses, uh, our auto business, we're able to use that platform that we developed for PPP loans to, to enhance uh, our, our sales leads in those, in those areas. So once again, it's another example where by taking a platform approach, we've been able to extend the capabilities to other areas of the bank and reuse some of those APIs or building blocks that we were able to create early on during the pandemic. Salesforce is certainly a great way to keep track of customers and how you're going to acquire them. But uh, I feel like there's also a more current story that everyone has in their pocket, right? The mobile phone. So how has banking on your phone really changed the way that everyone works these days? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The the expectation is that you can do everything on your phone. And uh, we rolled out our new mobile online banking system in in January uh, of this year. Uh, fully cloud native uh, on on the cloud. Um, uh, once, once again, reusing some of these reusable building blocks that we built, and uh, it's got actually rave reviews. It uh, received a four point six rating in the uh, in the App Store, which is uh, which is really great. So uh, we're very proud of it. We, we're continuing to enhance it, and in fact, once again, some of the capabilities that we've launched with that we're actually extending now to some of our other products. So we have a product called Citizens Pay, and we're going to launch a mobile, the the mobile app for that and use some of the same capabilities that we developed and launched in January. We're also, we have a digital bank, so, and we're developing the mobile app for that. Once again, it will be on the same platform, the same framework as the core mobile app. So, Allowing, allowing us to really service our customers and make sure that uh, they always have the bank in the pocket. It's really important to us. So in terms of customer service and how you think the, the business is now versus when you first joined, what are some of the greatest competitive advantages you've seen with your digital transformation? Yeah, some of it we, we covered earlier in terms of reducing customer friction. Right, so one of the beauties of being able to use APIs and being able to partner with different fintechs is we're able to gather information from them that otherwise would have been man- we would have had to obtain manually. So, for example, from a small business customer, they used to have to send in their tax returns. Well, now I can go to a 
provider and with their consents, I can bring that data in automatically. So they don't have to send in that statement. Same with income data. You know, with the appropriate consent from our consumers, I can go to a database, a provider, and bring in that data and not have to ask them to send in their payroll stub to prove that they have that, that data. So there's so much data that's available now uh, in, in the public domain that you're able to go after as opposed to manually either entering it or sending, worse, faxing it in. Yeah, talk about security breach. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have to say one of my favorite innovations is the fact that you can now deposit checks without yes. an envelope. It's, it seems amazing to me. So <laughs> um, one last question to kind of give this uh, a future forward look. What's next on the horizon for financial institutions and what emerging technology, we touched on AI and ML a bit, are you seeing for taking a large role in the future of banking? Yeah, you know, I think we've scratched the surface with AI and ML. I think there's so much more that we can be doing in that in that space. I think as uh, as computers become more powerful, as, as storage becomes cheaper, where we're able to store vast amounts of data and we're able to crunch through that in in real time. So I see that being really powerful. There's there's a lot of data streaming technology now, where as the data comes in you're actually able to gain insights into that data. So immediately as it comes in and use that data real time. So I see that as a real game changer as we move forward in, in being able to do much more real time analytics, which I think is big in the, in the credit and risk decisioning space, in the marketing spaces. You want that just in time information. Uh, the other area that we've, we've just touched on, I think is, is, uh, in the network space is 5G. You know, you think about the, you know, 10 times as fast as, uh, at least 10 times as fast as 4G. We're using it now in, in some of our branches where 5G has been rolled out. So as a customer comes in the branch, they're met by a, uh, you know, one of the branch members and they have an iPad with them and they're able to complete an application with them. Now that wasn't possible before some of these speeds that we're able to put into some of the branches for some of the, the Wi-Fi. Um, I think, you know, looking further ahead, uh, I think blockchain is another area where I think there's definitely uh, a lot of uh, promise for the future. And uh, whether it's in, in contracts, whether it's in trading, uh, the fact that it gives you that uh, immutability in terms of uh, the, the data uh, I think will uh, could could be something that is definitely high up on the list of, of future use cases in the financial services uh, industry. I think a bit further out is quantum, so quantum computers. So uh, it's something you know I'm personally very interested in, and, and even over the last couple of years has been, you know, we're now up to over a hundred qubits of performance, and and I think in the next two years we'll get to over a thousand, and it really changes the game when it comes to data processing. And once again, I think some of the use cases will be in combating fraud, combat, you know, uh, and, and also in the credit space. So where you really want to crunch through a very large amounts of data very, very fast. Uh, and we've also, you know, it will break our current encryption algorithms. So it's something from a threat perspective we're thinking about and uh, 
partnering with uh, with our security team and making sure we're thinking through what are the, what are the defenses uh, against that. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today on what has been a fantastic conversation on the Business Lab. Thank you. That was Michael Rutledge, Chief Information Officer at Citizens Financial Group, who I spoke with from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the home of MIT and MIT Technology Review, overlooking the Charles River. This podcast was produced in partnership with Infosys Cobalt. To learn more about cloud-led business transformation, visit technologyreview.com slash cloudchaos to clarity. That's it for this episode of Business Lab. I'm your host, Laurel Ruma. I'm the Director of Insights, the custom publishing division of MIT Technology Review. We were founded in 1899 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And you can find us in print, on the web, and at events each year around the world. For more information about us and the show, please check out our website at technologyreview.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll take a moment to rate and review us. Business Lab is a production of MIT Technology Review. This episode was produced by Collective Next. Thanks for listening.